0: Hey, Hack Dodgers, I have a, uh, kind of embarrassing story to share today. In the 1980s, I had a job with Time Life Libraries, calling up random people for hours on end. You remember them? Time Life Libraries? You get a phone call telling you about this great series of books about home improvement or about the weather or about cooking. The book series was actually pretty decent, but we were basically bugging people to subscribe to this book club. I'm not terribly proud of this, but I was trying to earn money for college, and this was my job. And it was all about the numbers. If the customer didn't want to buy, we actually preferred if they would just hang up so we could move on to the next call. A lot of people who picked up the phone were elderly, and a lot of times they just wanted someone to talk to. We got very good at chatting up the old people. My boss actually made jokes about it. Sell those old ladies some books. Somewhere during this time, I was visiting my mom at her house, and she got a call from a telemarketer. And she was so polite, she was saying things like, I'm not interested, okay, but still staying on the phone. I was like, Mom, just hang up. She could not bring herself to hang up on these people without making a nice graceful goodbye. To her mind, if somebody called you long distance, and most of these would have seemed like long distance calls, it was obviously very important. Eventually, she understood about hanging up, but only after I explained in great detail what I did at my job. Now, that job wasn't the high point in my career, but I do feel like it gave me some understanding of why older people are so susceptible to phone scams. There are a lot of theories out there as to why older folks are more vulnerable to scams. Some of the theories are about how lonely these people are, and other theories are about early-stage dementia. The problem I have with these theories is I don't think they really explain what's going on. The solution that's been put forth for us, the children and grandchildren, is to talk to our elderly relatives about common scams. That's not a bad plan, but it has a flaw. There are new scams that come up every day, and you can't possibly tell them about every single one. They need to understand the principles behind these. So how do we solve this problem? I have a different theory here about why older folks are more at risk. Which leads to a different plan for how to keep my older, very much beloved relatives safe. To explain this, I'm going to switch to another topic music. Bear with me here. This is going somewhere, and I think you'll enjoy the ride. First, a little story. I grew up in a small town, and everything was pretty much walking distance. When I was 13 years old, I was walking home, and a van pulled up next to me, and the driver offered me a ride. Now, don't freak out. It was my brother's friend, a guy named Franny, and I also happened to have a huge crush on him, the kind of deep and obsessive crush I think you can really only have at age 13. After I got in the van, Franny said, I just got this new album. You have got to hear this. He hit play, and oh my god, I couldn't believe my ears. It was a combination of rock and opera, and made me feel like I was on a rocket to the moon. It was the band Queen, and the album was A Night at the Opera. That hormone-infused moment has burned itself into my memory, and to this day, Queen is still a big part of my playlist. Now, I have a question for you. What's in heavy rotation on your playlist? I'm betting it's a band or musician that you discovered as a teenager, or maybe in your early 20s. No music has ever been as good as that music, has it? There was actually a study about this, about how people gravitate towards music from that time in their lives. The link to this study is in the show notes. Now, don't get me wrong. On a random Thursday morning, you can sometimes find me flailing around my kitchen to Sophie Tucker's Purple Hat, and that song came out just a couple of years ago. But my go-tos tend to be music from my teens and early 20s. The peak age for favorite music tends to be 14 for boys and 13 for girls. I'm a statistic, what can I say? And there's no shame in loving the music that got you through those awkward teenage years. It's just how most of us operate. But what does this have to do with old people getting scammed? Well, I believe there's a parallel here and it has to do with technology. Just like we have a musical peak, I believe we can also reach a technology peak. Remember when you got obsessed with a new gizmo, like a video game console or a music player? Or for those of us into computing, there was a software package or our first programming language, you stayed up late learning everything about it, and I'm betting that for most of us, this happened mostly between our late 20s and early 40s. This doesn't mean that people over 40 stop learning technology altogether. In fact, those of us who live and breathe the tech world can't afford to do that. But for someone who just learns technology to get some particular use from it, it's different. My mom, for example, was in her 70s by the time we all started gluing cell phones to our ears, and she could not imagine why she would need one when she had a perfectly good landline at home. Besides my own anecdotal evidence about this technology peak happening in the 20s to 40s age range, studies have shown that the median age for tech startups is mid-30s, but the most successful entrepreneurs are in their early or mid-40s. If this theory that we have a technology peak is actually true, Then we can learn a lot about why the elderly fall for scams by studying what they were into during their peak technology years. The world our parents and grandparents experienced in their 30s and 40s was very different from ours. Let's look at the telephone. You may not know this, but long-distance calls actually used to cost money. Even calling a few towns away, you'd get charged by the minute. So if you were going to make a long-distance call, it better be important. And when the caller ID popped up, it was the actual number of the person calling you. This was before spoofing. It just didn't happen back then. And of course, there was no internet then. If you wanted to know someone's address or phone number, you looked it up in this big fat book, an actual physical book, and was called the phone book. Perhaps you have heard of this. The idea of some stranger on the other side of the world knowing your name and address and phone number was unthinkable. And the idea that they might be able to get access to your computer was about as believable as them getting access to your toaster or your refrigerator. Then there's banking. Back in their day, all the banking was done in person, and you knew the manager and the tellers by name. Your utility bills came in the mail and you wrote checks and sent them in. I don't think anyone ever thought about utility bills being faked. It just didn't happen. Some of the things you can try to get across to your parents is that bank withdrawals aren't just done in person anymore. In fact, most of us do it online, and that people can call for free from anywhere and make it look like a local number, and that a request for a payment in gift cards is always a scam. Now, they might respond, yes, yes, of course, But this information jangles up against all the things they got ingrained in their heads during their technology peak which gave them very specific ideas about how telephones and appliances and utility bills work and in the end their technology peak just wins that battle If being stuck in their technology peak is what makes the elderly so vulnerable to scams, how do we get them up to speed to the present? I believe that the key to helping our parents and grandparents understand the current scamscape is to show them, like really show them so they see it with their own eyes. I mean, sit down with them in front of the computer and spoof a call to their phone. And when you finally get them to pick up, put on a bad foreign accent and claim you're from the IRS and... Try to tell them that they need to go down to the store and get gift cards or something. It'll be fun, and it will get the point across. They'll see how easy it is now. And if they're using email, create a spammy email right there in front of them and send it over. And get them to see how easy it is to make an email look legitimate when it's not. (music) Scams aren't new. But before the internet and cell phone, scams were done in person or through postal mail. You know, you've heard snake oil salesmen, somebody who went from town to town selling these fake cures, or... Oh, and then there were real estate scams, like people selling other people the Brooklyn Bridge or Swampland in Florida. Your parents and grandparents are familiar with these scams. After you show them how easy it is to spoof a phone call or an email, explain that scam phone calls and emails are the new Brooklyn Bridge Your parents and grandparents just need a technology upgrade. Not explaining every single individual scam, but the technology underneath them. And they need to see it with their own eyes, or it's not going to win against what they have in their heads already from their technology peak. There's a lesson in here for all of us. One day, you'll be as old as your parents, and if you keep open to new technology and the risks it presents, you'll be naturally inoculated against new scams. I try to practice this every day. It's very easy to fall into a comfortable pattern of believing in the technology of my youth, but ultimately, that isn't the best way to stay safe. But the musical peak, now that is a different story. I'm sticking with that one. Getting stuck in a technology peak can be dangerous, but a musical peak, that's just fun. In fact, you know, Franny, if you're out there, you want to come over and let's crank up some Queen, man. Let's dance around and sing Bohemian Rhapsody. That sounds like a great Saturday night. This is How Hacks Happen, signing off.